we all have this desire to see something that we previously thought was uh, un- unbelievable, like this, this thing that could not possibly be done. We have this desire to see it. I, there's um, no other explanation, I don't think, for America's Got Talent running for 16 seasons. <laughs> well, why does this show go on and on and on? It is because... We keep looking for these things that we thought were not possible. And so you watch it, and not only are you going, wow, I had no idea anyone could do that. Then what happens is you find out about it, and you go and you talk with other people. You go, did you see America's Got Talent last night? Did you see what they did? That was amazing. And then the other people are going, oh, man, now I have to go see it. They look up the YouTube videos and watch the clips. Wow, that is amazing. This is, I think, the draw, too, of the Olympics. We're just watching to see somebody break a record and do something that we never thought possible before. Well, this morning uh, is Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, and we uh, are going to be looking at the book of John this morning, and we are going to see that John sees something. He records something for us that he never thought possible before, and he wants everybody to know what it is that he saw. So before we get to this amazing thing that he saw, let's first start in John chapter 19. And I'm going to start reading in verse 31. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, The Jews asked Pilate that the legs of the criminals might be broken so that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Then verse 35. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. John was there. He was there. Now, we celebrated on Good Friday the death of Jesus on the cross. But John was there. In that moment, he was there and he was watching as this very good friend of his, this mentor, this teacher, this leader, this man that he had followed for several years and had grown to love, and he knew that he had loved him. He had followed him to the very end and watched as he died on the cross. And he watched and went, He died. He's dead. And then to confirm his worst fears, the soldiers come along and go, oh, this guy's already dead. (laughs) Jammed him with a spear. Yep, he's dead. And John says to us, I was standing there. I was watching And I saw it. I watched him die, and I watched them confirm that he was dead. 
now. Those of you who have experienced the loss of someone that you love, and you just stand there going, I can't believe they're gone. I can't believe they're gone. But the reality that they're not coming back just hits you. Now we get to John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the tomb had been taken saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, "They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him." So Peter Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. I've stood graveside and wished that I could call out, Come back! Come up out of that grave! And knew that I wouldn't be able to do that. They would not come back to me. And when, when Mary had gone to the tomb and then come and talked to the disciples and she said, He's gone! They went, Oh, no! Tomb raiders? Did somebody come and take the body? What, what's going on? And they go running to the tomb. Peter's running, like, like maybe they, they first leave and they're going and they're talking as they're going and then suddenly they start realizing the urgency of this and Peter starts running and this disciple goes, well, I'm quicker than him and I'm going to get there first. And he runs full speed and he gets to the tomb and he just looks in and sees, what, what was he expecting to see? As he looks in there, what was he expecting to see? That Mary was wrong? That the body would still be there? Would that be more comforting to him? Instead, he looks in and what does he see? He sees the linen cloths. All folded up. The body wasn't stolen. No one coming in to take a body away would unwrap the body and fold up all of the, the linen cloths and lie them there nicely. Have you ever seen somebody go in to raid a place? 
No, nobody goes in to raid somebody's house and goes, you know what we should do is we should fold their laundry before we leave. John looks in and goes, he's gone. And this is what it says in verse 8. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed. He saw and he believed. Have you ever seen somebody see something for the first time? Something maybe that you know about, and so you're not watching the thing, you're watching the person for their reaction. You're watching them because you want to see what's their reaction going to be like when they see and understand for the first time. Maybe it's a a movie or something that you've seen before and you've really enjoyed it and you know that this is the best part of the whole movie and so you're watching as you're sharing this movie with your kid for the first time and you're watching to see how they're going to react to this thing that you've reacted to so many times before. Or maybe you're sharing some kind of really good news with a parent or something and you're going, we're going to tell them that we're pregnant. They don't know yet. So then you go and you tell them and you watch, you're watching for their reaction as they're going to see something and, and you're going to watch the different expressions cross their face as they go, wait, what? Oh, really? And then the reaction. And I just imagine that for John. The, the waves of emotion going across him and across his face as he's looking in and seeing for the first time and believing for the first time that Jesus, the one he had watched die and confirmed to be dead, who he had seen placed in this tomb so that everybody knew where this tomb was, John goes there and he sees that Jesus is not here He must be alive again. He must have been raised from the dead. And at this moment, John believes. Isn't that incredible? He's he's sharing with you his very own story of the moment at which, for him, it was confirmed that Jesus was who he said he was. Now, I would have thought that that had come a long time ago. If you've read through the book of John and you see all of the things that John writes about, all of the things that John had seen, but it was not at any of those other points, but at this very moment, this is the point at which John believed. This is the point at which John recognized that there is a hope beyond what he had previously imagined. He saw And he believed, for as yet, up until this point, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And I just think of Jesus going, guys, how many times do I have to explain this to you? How many times do I have to tell you what's going to happen? I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to come back to life again. And they went, oh, yeah, what's he talking about? He's always saying the weirdest stuff. Really cool, but so weird. I don't, can you explain this analogy to us, Jesus? 
You know, that whole thing about how you're going to go to Jerusalem and die and then come back to life again. What does that really mean? It means I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back to life again. Yeah, that's such a mystery. Because you know what he can't possibly mean? That he was going to die and then come back to life again. He can't possibly mean that. That doesn't happen. No one does that. No one does that. So when he was saying that over and over again, they're going, he must mean something different that we don't yet understand. And he says we'll understand it later. So I guess we'll just understand it later. And John looks into the tomb and goes, oh, that's what he meant. That he was going to die and come back to life. That's what he meant. And do you know what John does after that? After he begins to understand who Jesus really was and what Jesus had actually done, this thing that he had previously believed was not possible in any way, he wrote it down. He wanted everybody to know that which he had come to know. He wants everybody to believe that which he had come to believe. That Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ. Truly. So that when they would believe, they might have life in his name. That's what he wanted everybody to know. It, it cracks me up. It, at the end of John chapter 20, so we, we read uh, near the beginning of John chapter 20 about John looking in and seeing that the body was, was no longer there and believing. This is what he writes at the end of, of John chapter 20. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He goes, Jesus did so many things. Jesus did so many things that I didn't write down. But the reason I wrote these things down is so that you might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. And so that when you believe that he's the Christ, the Son of God, you might have life in his name. That's why I wrote it down. In fact, at the very end of the book, he frustratingly writes this. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Can you write those ones down too, please, John? Because I, I, I don't need to write down all of those. I wrote them down so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. 
And so as I was doing that, it's, it's interesting to me to read through the book of John and just sort of read through the book of John as a book. But then to have realized that at this moment in chapter 20 is the moment that John believes, and then he says, now, I have written all of these things so that you might believe. To then go back to the beginning of the book of John and start looking through to see, oh yeah, is that how you wrote this? Have you done that before where you're watching a movie or reading a book and you think you know what's going on and all of a sudden at the end there's this plot twist and you go, oh, now I have to watch the whole movie over again so that I will understand what was happening that whole time. That's what we get to do this morning. We're going to go back through the whole book of John so that we can understand what he was doing that whole time, the way he was dropping these little tidbits all the way through. Now, my wife tells me I'm not allowed to do all of them, that we have to truncate it and just pick some of the really good ones, and so uh, I'm going to try and limit myself to that. But knowing this about John, that his purpose in writing this book was so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing you might have life in his name, when you go back to John chapter 1, you see that right away, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He starts off, his book with this, wanting you to know right up front, this is what's going on. He's telling you before he knew, narratively speaking. He wants you to know going in, you're starting to read the book, he wants you to know what he didn't yet know. It took him all the way to the end of his book to figure it out. But he wants you to have the advantage to know right away. In fact, in chapter 2, Jesus was talking to, uh, to a bunch of people and they were asking him why he was doing the things that he was doing. And he said, if you destroy this temple, I will rebuild it in three days. And in John chapter 2, verse 21, it says, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Isn't that interesting? All the way back at John chapter 2, Jesus is explaining to them what's going to happen. This temple, my body, is going to be destroyed and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And they went, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he means. Oh, that's what he meant. That's what he meant. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, John doesn't wait for us to find out that he's going to be raised from the dead. In chapter 2, he gives away the whole thing. He's not a very good storyteller, is he? <laughs> Shouldn't he be holding that information back 
Shouldn't he be waiting for us to get there and then spring it on us like it was sprung on him? Nope, John doesn't want that at all. John wants to tell you all the way through his book, look, it took us a long time to figure it out, and I want you to know right now what he meant. I want you to believe right now. I want you to believe in chapter one. You didn't get it? I want you to believe in chapter two. I want you to believe in chapter two that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, so that when you believe, you can have life in his name. I want you to believe that right now, chapter two. What if you didn't get it in chapter two? What if you were slow like John and you went, well, maybe he means something different? Well, then you'd just go to chapter three. As Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, having a back and forth with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is going, I don't really understand what you're talking about. What do you mean I have to be born again? How do you get born again? And Jesus is going, I'm trying to talk with you about very basic things. How are you going to understand if I start talking with you about the advanced stuff, man? John chapter 3, verse 12 if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who, has, who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the ser serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Look, I'm going to have to get raised up on a cross. I'm going to have to get raised up and die. But anyone who believes in me will then have eternal life. John's spelling it out for us. If you didn't get it in chapter 1 and you didn't get it in chapter 2, let me see if I can make it super clear in chapter 3. This is so clear that everyone in, well, maybe not everyone in the whole world, but practically everyone in the whole world knows this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him might, what was it? <laughs> Should not perish but have eternal life. I was just seeing if you guys could finish it for me. <laughs> A few of you could. John wants you to know right away. My wife says, I don't have time to tell you about chapters 4 and 5, so we'll jump to ch chapter 6. But it's there. You can go back and look later. Jesus is teaching his disciples in verse 40 of chapter 6, he says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And then he starts talking with his disciples about what do they understand, what do they believe. And in John 6, 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, where would we go if we were to leave you? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, they got it. Simon Peter, that great disciple, he got it as early as chapter 6. At least enough to say what was true. 
He didn't fully understand what that meant. He didn't fully understand even his own words, but he was already saying in in chapter 6, you have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is why they were following him. They were seeing in him something they'd never seen before. They were experiencing in Jesus something they'd never experienced before. And they went, this man is sent by God and he is our hope and we will follow him. In chapter 7, many crowds all around. And this is what they said. 7 verse 31, many of the people believed in him and they said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? I mean, could it be possible for anyone to do more than Jesus had done by by chapter 7? His teachings, his miracles, his healings, The crowds are around, right? The disciples in chapter 6 are going, we know who you are. We are following you to the end because you are the Holy One of God. And in chapter 7, the crowds are going, he's got to be the Christ. He has to be the Christ. When the Christ comes, would he do more than this guy? And they believed that Jesus was the Christ. And John is going, look, guys, I'm going to put it in here. Even the crowds get it now. Do you get it? Do you believe? The crowds again in chapter 8, but we're not going to talk about that. You're going to have to read that on your own. Let's go to chapter 9. This is one of my favorites. John chapter 9, I'm going to just pick it up in verse 35, but let me give you a little bit of context so that you know what's going on. There was a guy who had been born blind. Jesus healed him, gave him his sight. And there was some controversy about that. Some people that didn't believe that he had been born blind, some people that believed that he had never been blind, some people that wondered what was going on, and lots of discussions about how Jesus had done this kind of a a miracle because this guy had not been able to see before, and now he could see. And in talking with the religious leaders, this blind man, or previously blind man, had gotten thrown out of the synagogue And when Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, this is chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered him, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. Now, the reason this is one of my favorites is because here you have a guy who had been born blind, who has now been given his sight, and he goes to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he goes, how would I know who he is? Well, Mr. Blind Man, you're looking at him. That's good enough for me, I believe. I believe. 
John's going, let me put this little tidbit in here. This guy had been born blind, and then he believed that Jesus was the Christ because Jesus gave him sight. Do you believe yet? Do you believe yet? In chapter 10, there were all kinds of controversies about Jesus, people that were confused about who he was and what he was doing and why he was doing it. And Jesus says in verse 36 of chapter 10, Do you say of him who the the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? They're going, who who are you? Who do you say you are? Do you think you're the Son of God? Yeah. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. That you would say that you are the Son of God. Jesus says, is it though? Is it blasphemy for me to say that I am the Son of God? If you don't believe my words, verse 37... If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Yep, I'm the Son of God. And if you don't believe my words, look around. Look at the things that I have done. Look at the miracles, look at the evidence, look at the teaching. So you don't want to believe me and what I'm saying. Look at the works that I do and believe those that confirm that I am who I say I am. You get to chapter 11 and Jesus has been called because his good friend Lazarus has died and has been buried And Jesus comes, and he comes to the sisters, Martha and Mary. And Jesus says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will arise again in the resurrection on that last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Verse 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is before he raises her brother from the dead. Do you believe, Martha? Do you believe that I am the Son of God? Do you believe that I am the Christ? Do you believe that because I am the Son of God, the Christ, that you can have eternal life with me, that you in that last day will also be raised to eternal life? And she said, yep, I believe. And so John writes it down and he goes, you know what? Martha believed. You know what you should do? You should believe. You also should believe. Jesus does more uh, teachings in in chapter 12. We're going to skip over those, but you should read it later. 
and we get to chapter 13, and he's uh, talking about his disciples and talking about those whom he has chosen. And in John chapter 13, verse 18, it says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled that he who ate bread, he who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. What he's saying is um, the scripture that someone who is a close friend of mine in close fellowship with me will rise up against me, will betray me. He's telling them that. In John chapter 13, he's telling them essentially that Judas is going to rise up and betray him. And I am telling you this now, he says in verse 19, I'm telling you this now before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. I'm telling you now, so that when Judas betrays me later, you will believe that I am who I said I am. I'm going to tell you about it right now. Judas is going to betray me. I'm going to go over to Jerusalem. Judas will betray me. I will be crucified. But then on the third day, I'll rise again. Okay, guys? Okay? I know you don't get it now. And they're all going, what's he talking about? I know you don't get it now, but I'm going to tell you about it now so that afterwards you'll understand and you will believe then. Then again to his disciples in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. And further down in verse uh, 28, he says, You heard me say to you, I'm going away, and then I will come to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that it, when it does take place, you may believe. interesting to me in this rereading of the book of John that John is recording for us all of the times he didn't yet get it. Jesus is going, I know you didn't believe, so I'm telling you so that later you'll believe. And John's going, and we didn't get it. We wrote it I wrote it down. I, I didn't believe. But Jesus told us so that later we would believe. John 16, verse 29, finally his disciples think they are starting to get it. Aha, his disciples say in John 16, verse 29. Now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Do you now believe? I've been saying it all along, and you guys keep not getting it, and now you say you believe, but do you really believe? Do you really believe that? Because behold, an hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will all leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, because in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world.
They had said, oh, now we get it. Verse 30, now we know that you know all things, and we believe that you came from God. And Jesus is going, I don't think you do get that. You're right. You're right. But things are going to happen, and you're going to all scatter and run away because of your lack of belief. And I want you to know that I anticipate that, and you're all going to leave me alone, but I'm not actually going to be alone, and you will come back when you believe for real. Then in chapter 17, he prays for them and their belief, and it brings us right back to chapter 19, where John is standing at the cross, and looking and watching as Jesus dies. And they confirm that he's dead. And he's going, oh, now what? Now what? All those things we thought were true of Jesus, and here he is dead. Because right up until that moment, he thought he got it, and he didn't. Until that third day when he comes running to the tomb, and he looks inside, and in that moment, he believes. Do you remember the moment at which you first believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God? Do you remember that first moment in which you believed that Jesus had died on the cross and then rose again from the dead? This is the moment that John is recording for us. And so much wants us to have that moment where we sit there and go, Whoa! He really did. Do you know how many times I've had that moment in my life? I, I would love to be able to say I had that moment one time and then I just believed after that. One time I went, oh, epiphany, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and if I believe in him, I will have eternal life in his name. And then I just believed forever after that with no waverings and no doubts. And yet for me, that's not how it has gone. For me, there have been waves and movements and moments in my life where I have looked and gone, oh, that's what he meant. I can remember when I was five years old, was staying with somebody. My parents had gone on a trip. I was staying with somebody from, from church, a family, and they were talking with me about believing in Jesus and trusting in Jesus, that he would forgive me of my sin. And I went, oh, yeah, I... I've heard about that. I know about that. I, I want to pray that Jesus would forgive me of my sin. I can remember doing that when I was five years old. And then I can remember later on, uh, at other times, looking and seeing that Jesus had risen from the dead and going, okay, but yeah, but I'm older now and I understand that nobody does that. Like, rising from the dead is not a thing that can actually happen. That's a thing that I believed when I was younger, but now that I'm older, I know that doesn't actually happen. And then you start reading about, oh, 
John was there. Like, he's not telling me a story. John was there. He's giving me his eyewitness account. He wants me to know I was there and I believed he was dead. I watched him die. I knew he was dead and I thought he was always going to be dead. And then I went to the tomb and he wasn't there because he was alive. And John wrote that and Matthew wrote that and Mark wrote that and Luke wrote that and Paul wrote that. And they're all talking about all of these things, and I start reading about it and going, oh, oh, I see. Like, you guys were there. You watched it happen. You saw him. You talked with him. You wrote it down so that I would have an eyewitness account of what happened verified for me that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And in that moment, I again went, oh, that's what it is. That's what it means. Jesus rose from the dead. You see, John's not the only one who wants you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, so that you might have life in his name. Paul also writes about it. In 1 Corinthians 15, he writes uh, in verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, that is the good news, that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For this is what I delivered to you as of first importance, the most important thing that I have told you, The thing that I have also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that He then appeared to Cephas, and then to the Twelve, and then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. You can go and ask them, though some of them have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he came to me. Verse 11, whether then it was I or they, so we have all preached so that you may believe. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Because if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God if we testified about God that he raised Christ and he didn't actually raise him. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You're still stuck in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we only have hope in this life only, then we of all people are the most to be pitied. But in fact, verse 20, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And so it has been preached. So it has been preached by John and the other disciples who saw him. So it has been preached by Paul and those missionaries who spread the, the fame of Jesus throughout the world. And so it has been preached for thousands of years since then. And so I preach to you this morning. Because just like John and just like Paul, it is my great desire that you would believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. That he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in so believing, you may have eternal life in his name. Let's pray. Lord God, we believe We believe that Jesus has come. The Son of God came as man. We believe that he taught his disciples, that he did miraculous works to demonstrating his divinity. We believe that because of his claim to be the Son of God, he was crucified. While speaking the truth, he was convicted of blasphemy. We believe that he really did die on that cross and was confirmed to be dead. We believe that he was buried and was in the grave for three days. And we believe that he rose again from the dead to eternal life. And that when we believe in him, we might also have eternal life with him. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning that they would believe. That they would put their eternal hope in Jesus. So that when the time comes, and when they have left this life, they may be raised to eternal life with you and with him forevermore. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.